Welcome to Appalachian Shine, the official podcast for the Foundation for Appalachian Advancement. And if you're listening to this, then consider yourself a part of the team. Stick around and let's shine a light on all things Appalachia. Thanks for stopping by for another episode of Appalachian Shine. This is JC, your regular host. And I want to thank those who are joining us on YouTube and those who may be watching us on ARC TV in addition to the podcast. I'm excited today to bring uh, a guest on that I've looked forward to having this chat all week. Uh, Dr. Carolyn Bailey Lewis out of Athens, uh, Ohio. Uh, Dr. Lewis is the uh, is the author of uh, Love and Loss which uh, discusses a lot of uh, the issues with nursing homes. And she's come by this, uh, wrote this book based on her long, her story. It's an amazing story. Um, Dr. Lewis, I'm not Terry too long, but I do want to mention that uh, in 2022, this was uh, your book is featured on the Ohio book festival and won uh, an independent press award. And you've had a, a long history in the media and journalism. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, uh, before we jump into the book, you've got a really uh, just, a, just a touching story to tell. We were talking before we started recording about you're from Bluefield, West Virginia, and I'm just down the road in Richlands in Tazewell County, uh, Virginia. Um, and you, you uh, tell us a little bit about growing up there in Bluefield and how you got all the way to Athens. Wow. Bluefield was a great place back in the, oh, yes, I was born in 1948 and uh, I was born in Pittsburgh, actually, and my great aunt came to Pittsburgh to get me because my mother and my grandmother became ill, and she was just going to keep me, just going to keep me for just a few months until they got well, and so I ended up uh, living in Bluefield all of my life on on Wayne Street, and a year before that, my great aunt, who could pass for white, she was a very light-skinned woman, walked into the Flat Top National Bank and got a loan to build a building on the corner of Wayne and Logan Streets in Bluefield. And so as I grew up, I remember entertaining people like Argentina, James Brown would come through, Edith James, all those acts that would come to the auditorium in Bluefield. And, uh, you know, they put the sign on the pole, Argentina, Turner Review, coming to Bluefield. And when James Brown Review came, they had a line on there saying it was a family show, so I got to go. And he invited people to come up on stage and dance, and guess who went up there to dance with James Brown? Oh, you did not. And a bunch of people. Yes, we did. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, and interestingly enough, the building is still there. It's in very bad condition. However, there are plans, hopefully, to see some restoration and historical uh, preserving of that building in the near future, hopefully. Yeah. And this, uh, you're talking about the Hotel Thelma. Hotel Thelma on the corner of Wayne and Logan Streets in Bluefield. And you you mentioned Etta James um, a while back. I was on another podcast and we were talking about um, there was um, I guess Rolling Stone had done the you know, the greatest singers of all time, greatest artists of all time, 
And I was surprised at where they, they didn't have Etta James where I thought they should have been ranked. And I was looking at that list. I'm like, wow, we've got to restack this. So I ended up doing a show to talk about why Etta James should be in the top 10 of just of this, the most amazing artists and voices uh, ever. Yeah. Little Richard stayed the world, there too. You got Little Richard stayed there too, and my aunt Edith did his hair. She said he was very fussy about it. Of course. <laughs> yeah, now there's a long history with uh with probably Hotel Thelma, and I would invite anybody that's listening to this. Could be a, a completely different show we could do sometime, uh, obviously, and maybe we'll we'll revisit that in the future because there's a local pastor in Bluefield that's working on the restoration, and you've been invited to be a part of that as well. And um, you know, it's a uh, Go look up Hotel Thelma and read about the history of it. And, and it's it's really, um, I wish that it had been impressed on a lot of us growing up in school that it took me, I was telling you, I was almost embarrassed. I didn't hear about it, learn about it until much later in life. And uh, But it's part of local history and local lore. And, and it's uh, it's amazing how small world, you've grown up in Bluefield and here we are. And uh, now you're in Athens. Tell us a little bit of book, about uh, about your book, Um love and loss and then and, uh, how you came about this from the nursing homes. In 1995, I was living in Morgantown, working there, and I started having terrible back pain and arm pain. But you know how we are. We think we're working too hard or uh, nothing's wrong and it will pass. But however, it didn't. And uh, my late husband had me back and forth to the hospital getting shots for the pain. I was going from bed to floor thinking it was a mattress. But when they finally did an MRI, I had a tumor in my spinal cord, and it completely paralyzed me. I got up one morning, just hit the floor. Uh, September 19, 1995 was on my birthday that day. So um, got me to the hospital. They did an MRI in a day or so at Ruby Memorial and saw this tumor. Thank God it was not malignant. So they told my husband, if I made it through 18 hours of surgery alive, that I would be a vegetable for the rest of my life to just be prepared to take care of me. So with people of faith, and uh, he had people praying everywhere. And after 11 hours of surgery, I was strapped from my neck down to my toes. We have anything wrong with your spinal cord, you know, your legs, your feet, all that start to turn in. Yeah. And so um, I was in Hell South in Morgantown. They sent me down there and they wanted to know, the doctors and nurses at Ruby wanted to know had I been around diseased pets? Had I been overseas? What had what had I been eating? They had not seen this before. And what I did know, I had the best surgeon east of the Mississippi, they told me, Dr. Howard Kaufman. So uh, they sent me down to Hell South and didn't expect me to live, let's more walk again. After two months and two days, I walked out on a walker. Uh, the, the difference was the therapeutic pool. When I got into that pool, it seemed like I could just fly. And so I walked out of there and uh, after six months, went back to work, driving and everything. But over the course of time, after about five or six years or so, I'd have a setback. I didn't know what it was until 2015 when I ended up five months, I'm sorry, a one month in the hospital in Columbus, Ohio. And the neurologist there diagnosed me with uh, NMO, neuromyelitis optica. It's an autoimmune disease. So now I take shots for this disease, hopefully to ward off any future setbacks. But over the course of these 26 years or so, I've been in six nursing homes and seven hospitals. And I was life-flighted a couple of times and I'm getting to why I wrote the book. Came back from one of those life flights, my blood pressure dropped to 40 over 10. Ooh. You hear me? 40 over 10. 
and one time 50 over 20. So I came back to the room. I was in the um, facility in Athens, Ohio, Athens, Ohio, in the Laurels. I looked at the ceiling and I said, Lord, what? <laughs> I'd gone through so much sepsis, bleeding on the brain, intensive care, the blood pressure drops, the life flights. I heard clearly, you're a journalist, write the book. You're an insider, you're a lucid insider. Write the book, what book? Tell the story of what's, what it's like to be an insider in a nursing home. There are a lot of people who are here who are in different homes, but they can't tell the story. I've had people tell me, oh, I know what it's like. My brother was in there for ages, or but you don't know until you're in the bed, in the room, in the facility. So I tell the story, the good, the bad, and the ugly, what to look for, my recommendations, my observations, and the stories of other people as well. Yeah, that's, uh, what is it like? I mean, there's some nursing homes, I was reading in one of the articles that you were interviewed in, that you know, some are really good and the food is terrible and sometimes the food is good and the service is horrible. Um, people, you, you were talking about how people need to have an advocate um, to make sure that people in nursing homes are well taken care of and not just when family visits, but around the clock. Um, how did you ex experience that and, and how did you get around that? It, it's run the gamut. I've been in some a few nursing homes where uh, you, you walk in and you, you get this terrible sense of dread because you see that it's dirty and it's smelly and um, you see that they don't have as much help as they need. And then you go to some and they're very, very clean and they're attentive, but all over the country, there's shortages and, and there are warts in every place. I mean, every place has its issues. I don't think there's a perfect hospital the perfect nursing home, anything. You just have to do the best you can with what you have. And with that advocate, you really need a friend, a family member, someone who can just show up and make sure you're being properly cared for. Uh, it's, you know, sometimes I've had my light on for an hour. And because of shortages, they might be having an emergency somewhere else with someone else. And you just wait and wait and wait. Hopefully they're not in distress uh, or choking. And that's the issue. But as I said, it runs the gamut. You'll find some that are very, very well uh, cared for. And there are lots of activities. And there are lots of outings. The food is good. The place is clean. You'll find somewhere you're in a room with two or three people separated by a curtain and no bathroom in the room. And uh, it, it really makes for a difficult stay. Now, you actually had to be back in a nursing home, I read, uh, this was during COVID. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what families could even visit? What was that like for you? Horrible, absolutely horrible. You could only see your family outside of the window. And my son was here visiting for two months, outside of the window for two months. And uh, one day, when it kind of let up a little bit, they had kind of a drive-by where your family you could go outside and your family could drive by. It was so emotional. Everyone was just boohooing. They were driving by, but we couldn't touch them. So, and the other part of that is because it would start and stop and start and stop. They said, okay, we've got COVID in the building. We're on the 14 day quarantine, stay in your room. That you get to that 13th day, someone else can get COVID and you go another 14 days. So we were sort of in for almost a good two months without getting out of your room. So I asked someone one day, how do you know when you have, because I've taken my shots 
I had the test one day. And then I asked someone, how do you know if you have COVID? Well, they said, when the white suits come for you. Two days later, the white suits came for me and took me out of here uh, to another section where they were quarantining everyone. And you stayed there for 14 days and you got the uh, you got the infusion and you got the medication to kind of help you out. But it was very isolating. I never saw so many people go downhill and even pass away, not just from COVID, but because they couldn't see their loved ones. They thought they'd been abandoned. That's heartbreaking. Yes. And, and you you detail that in your book. Yes, um, yes. Yeah. Now, do you mind if I ask what your daughter's first name is? My daughter's name is Karen, C-A-R-Y-N, Bailey. Well, Karen, um, after reading about how much of a firebrand you were looking out for your mother, everyone should have a Karen in their family. Yes. Um, yes. You were doing, obviously, doing the Lord's work. And uh, to be that much of an advocate, popping in, I read at 3 a.m., Yes, she would check on you. In fact, last night she and as we're talking now, I'm still in nursing care. I'm in rehab care. I'm okay. in my room right now because okay. I, I got some wounds somewhere else. I'm still dealing with some issues. I had a little setback in, in November, so I'm trying to get through that. It's a process, it's a journey, but I'm getting there. I'm, I'm on my way out of here to get home. But yes, my dear daughter will pop in anytime just to see how her mama is. And she will say, I care about my mom. I care about other people too, but my mom, especially because I only have one. That's what she always says. Yeah. I mean, everybody needs an advocate like that because, you know, you're not always getting that round the clock care. And and a lot of times, and I've, you know, I've, I had an uncle that was in a nursing home um, right before he died. And when I went there, I was really, uh, I didn't like it at all. Mm -hmm. And it was so overcrowded and understaffed and people just can't keep an eye on you. And give you the kind of care that you need. It's almost like they'll get around to you when they can get around to you. And it's, yeah. and that, and I know that's frustrating for a lot of the workers. Cause I know a couple of people who've worked in that field. Um, but it's gotta be frightening, especially during those, those periods of COVID. And I'm sure your daughter was calling you a lot. <laughs> so, yeah, calling and um, FaceTiming. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. In fact, one time when the holiday came, uh, we did sort of a cooking with Carolyn because uh, we can cook in the kitchen next door. And she was cooking at home and we were FaceTiming, even though we couldn't get together. So we made it work. <laughs> now, uh, Love and Loss, The Storied Nature of Nursing Home Care, uh, that's available, I see, on Amazon and Kindle and audiobook and mm -hmm. in paperback. Is there anywhere else? Can If someone wanted to get one directly from you, an autographed copy, how would they how would they go about that? They could just contact me, actually, and I could uh, autograph the book for them. And mail it to them. Uh, would you like for me to give my email address? Yeah, if, if you're comfortable okay. doing that, you're welcome. I am. It's Lewis, L E W I S C, as in Carolyn, and the number three at ohio.edu. Lewis, C3 at ohio.edu. And I'd be glad to autograph a book. And with uh, shipping and handling, the book is 1609, with shipping and handling is $20 a total. And I will ship it to them. Uh, and they get in a few days. Now, I would not be doing my due diligence if I did not say um, that your book was actually published through Monday Creek Publishing, which is also an Appalachian uh, publisher. And we know Gina McKnight through the Appalachian Authors Guild, which I'm involved with as well. And they do a lot of great work and uh, they could probably contact through uh, through them as well. Monday Creek Publishing, if they um, wanted to uh, touch base with you as well. So make sure you check all that out.
And uh, now you, you were a journalist and you had a really, I was reading a little bit about your bio and your career. You have, it's an impressive story you've went through an impressive book and a, and a, and a story to tell, but your professional career has been just as impressive. Um, now, are you still, I was looking at uh, from uh, Ohio.edu, your bio there. Are you still part of the Presidential Advisory Council on Disability and Accessibility Planning? They're, they don't have that anymore. There are a lot of real small groups that are working, but I'm on the Athens City Commission on Disabilities, and the advisory group is no longer functioning as such. We have an interim president, so we'll see what happens when a new one comes in. Maybe he will get it back. He or she will get it back going again. Okay. You, you had to, I, I mean, I'm just scrolling at the list of current associations and things, uh, past public media associations you were with, and uh, you, you broke a little bit of a glass ceiling, I guess, um, when when did you first run a television station? Um, in 1993, I was named interim at WNPB in Morgantown. And uh, the very night I was named general manager after national search, uh, guess who was sitting beside me it was Mr. Rogers. We were having a dinner and Fred <laughs> Rogers was right beside me. And he was actually a good friend of mine because he just lived in Pittsburgh where family communications yeah. is just down the road from or up the road from Morgantown. So we'd invited him to be the speaker for our uh, meeting for our uh, banquet. And the uh, executive director of West Virginia Public Broadcasting stood up and said, before Mr. Rogers comes, I have an announcement. And they named me as the general manager of the station after search. I was didn't know it at the time, but I was the first black woman named general manager of a public TV station in the country. So when I, I opened a lot of doors, in fact, the first black woman to graduate from the WVU School of Journalism. So I had a 38 year career in public broadcasting and a 25 in Morgantown and 13 in Athens. And I retired in 2016. However, retirement is not retirement. I still teach an online class. I taught for OU for a bit. I'm involved in so many things and I was just named about two weeks ago, I'll be going to Morgantown on May the 5th to the Academy of Distinguished Alumni. Uh, it's quite an honor. Jerry West is in it, Hot Rod Hunley, okay. Kathleen Johnson of uh, the Mathematician, yeah. Patrice Harris. Do you know the name Patrice Harris, Dr. Harris? She's uh, from Field, the first Black woman president of the American yeah, Medical okay. Association. Patrice was born in my hotel, and I was her first babysitter. No, what, wow. Patrice, Patrice wrote the review on the back of my book. Oh, if Wallace could talk in yes. that hotel, wow. Yes, absolutely. So, yes, I've got a long and storied history of public broadcasting and meeting so many people at public conferences, including Fred Rogers, Mr. McFeely, uh, Bill Moyers, Gwen Eiffel, all of those people. I've been to Sesame Street, got pictures with Big Bird. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's it's been really, really good. Uh, what what is that? Is that going to be another book about the about your life? My book, another... I'm writing, my book I'm writing now is about the Hotel Thelma. I've got about four chapters written, and oh, okay. so I'm writing about that in our Green Book story. In 1960, my parents wanted me back. They got back together, and they lived in El Paso, Texas. So she drove me all the way to see if I wanted to stay with them. After a week, I said, no, I want to stay with you, Mama Thelma. And to celebrate, this woman drove me all the way to Anaheim, California. In 1960, we went Disneyland. And wow. so then she drove all the way back to Southern Route with her green book, by the way. And Hotel Thelma is in the green book. Mm -hmm. 
and Travis Hotel as well, which she bought next door. But yes, it's it's been a journey. So that's my next book. We have to talk wow. about that one too. Yeah, I would love for you to keep us posted on what's going on with the Hotel Thelma and okay. um, maybe the pastor would like to come on next time, too. And I'd love to hear some of your stories um, traveling and having to use the Green Book, because yes. uh, so many people just still don't know about that era of the, how hard it was to travel. And, was. you know, I only know it just because things I've seen on TV and it doesn't even mm -hmm. do it justice, I imagine. So um, I certainly appreciate your time. Like I said, I was looking forward to our chat. And uh, hopefully, uh, yeah, let me, uh, drop me an email and keep me posted, and we'll we'll do this again. And uh, perhaps I could uh, meet over in uh, Bluefield and just meet you and nice. the pastor and, and do a recording over there. Well, that would be nice. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I appreciate it. Oh, well, I thank and you, Ms. And then my book is on Amazon, or they can contact me, Lewis C3, at Ohio.edu, and I will sign a copy and get it to you. It's $20. Well, Dr. Lewis, I'll have my 20 bucks in hand if I see you in Bluefield. <laughs> so <laughs> I thank you so very much. Thanks for coming on to our show today. And uh, for those watching, thanks again. Feel free and share this uh, episode if you see it on YouTube uh, or uh, let friends know about it. If you're listening to us on the podcast, we're available on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Play, Amazon, wherever you find your favorite podcasts, you're going to hear me and Dr. Lewis have the chat. So, so thanks again, everybody. And and uh, we'll see you on down the road.